Hello, welcome to episode 49 of Ooh. We Don't Talk About the Weather. I didn't get it wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a bonus episode, because like after last week's episode, uh, episode 48, obviously, yeah. um, we started chatting about um, the Ricky Gervais special, and we have a lot to say about comedians. Yeah. Like comedians in general. We had an idea a few weeks ago to mm. do, uh, spawned by like David Quantic's disgusting portrait, like... <laughs> performance on Twitter generally since the platform was invented. Yeah. Um and we had an idea to do about like melt comedians and sensible comedians and that. And, and then Ger- And then, then Gervais um, came yeah, up. Yeah, Gervais just decided to yeah, well, I say he decided he had his stand up special and I Yeah. I watched it. Yeah. And this is the third or fourth of his stand up specials. And Ricky Gervais isn't very good at stand up. He's never been very good at stand-up. I he hasn't. I haven't watched them in a long time, but I remember sort of liking his first two stand-ups. Um, no. Was it Animals and Fame or was Animals and something else? Politics. Pol- no, no, Politics. I think was the third one, which is I don't like. It's very boring. Okay, but anyway, so I, I, I watch. Yeah. I watch this Humanity. Yeah, and. You haven't seen it. I, I took that. We thought it would be a good dynamic if I, uh, I didn't see anything <laughs> and have no idea what the content is. I took the bullet. You could just sit here, I could just sit here and have you explain to me. Okay, so okay, so the first half hour or so mm-hmm. is Ricky Gervais explaining. Mm-hmm. We start off with explaining why he's not transphobic. Right, because he got a lot of abuse after the Golden Globes. Always thing. a good sign. Yeah, so he so he spends the first half an hour. Well, actually, probably the first. When were the Golden Globes? Like four, five I years I ago? No, I don't know. I think it was two thousand sixteen. Oh, but um, so he ex- so he explains why he's funny. Mm-hmm. He explains the joke in minute detail as to why it's funny. Okay, and also why it isn't transphobic. Right, but he's so annoyed about this because he's so thin-skinned, mm. that he then proceeds to go on for like another 20 minutes about how he dead names Caitlyn Jenner, refers to Caitlyn Jenner's massive swinging genitals, oh. all this stuff. It goes on and on and on. It was so bad that Lily just got up and walked out. She's like, I can't be asked with this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's abusive and bullying and it's punching down. But the main problem... With this whole first, the whole first half of this thing, is it's not funny. Like you can, you like I don't agree, mm. but you can attempt to justify that kind of comedy. Yeah, if it succeeds as comedy, when it's just recycling 10, 15 year old jokes about men in dresses. Yeah, then it's just lazy and abusive. Um, if if somebody and this w- is me, I'm not. I am definitely not in favour of that kind of comedy. Really at all, um, but if he'd been at least funny, I could have seen a point to it. Yeah, but there is no point to it except he's trying to get over his point. If that he wasn't in the wrong, if it's and just you should all laugh at me and be nice to me. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. That's like he could he could have named it humanity. How I'm a good person and you're wrong to hate me. If it, if it's just kind of recycling flat talking points from five mm. years ago from a Twitter account called like Saxon Warrior eighty eight. Yeah. Um, if it's indistinguishable from that, and there's no kind of point to it, or it's just the le- latest, not... or it's the latest tweet thread from from Turf Bangs, even. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just um, I don't even think I I could see that he doesn't even really know anything about the debate. Oh around no, he turfs. No, no, no. Does he the say the word turf at um, all? No, 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 not at all. Um, he talks about he he exposes himself quite regularly on Twitter for how massively misinformed he is. Um, out of touch. Yeah. Well, yeah. he um he boasts about it in the stand up about like how he's out of touch because he's so massively wealthy. Yeah. Um and how you know he lives such an easy life compared to his hard upbringing. Um mm. I don't I don't doubt that he had to like probably the standard British upbringing. Mm. Um that's part of his appeal, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Or was. Yeah. Um 17 years ago. But like he re- he um replied to Prison Paul um when Prison Paul was talking about was saying like, well done, thank you for standing up to, for free speech, and was it Dankzilla? Dankzilla, Dankzilla oh, Count, Count Dankula, the yeah. one who the Nazi pug guy. Yeah, and um, when he was on, he was on a podcast with David Baddiel. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about it there, and they both had this conversation about the moving on to something else now, but the the Dankula guy and the Nazi pug mm. teaching the. If you haven't seen it, which is hard to believe, um, Scottish bloke taught his girlfriend's pug to heil Hitler. And get all excited when he says "gas the Jews," 
Um, he's been found guilty of hate crimes and yeah. shit like that. And they're all like, oh, but it's a joke, it's a joke. And a lot of comedians have come out in defence of him. Mm. One of the only times I've seen Graham Linehan be nice in a long time, he was like, no, he's not making, he's he's not being, he's not a comedian. Yeah. He's just being a dickhead. Um, but it wasn't a joke. The bloke, he boasted online about how he was pretending it was a joke for the court case. That's why he was found guilty, because judges don't like that shit. But Free Ricky Gervais doesn't know that, because he doesn't bother reading up on anything before he comes out with his opinion. And his opinion is very valid, because he's very rich, and he's mm. very successful. He does that thing of a lot of online comedians do, which is they act very smug, and like if you don't find them funny, you're in the wrong because of their DVD sales. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he does this thing about... He does the Caitlyn Jenner stuff, and... I don't know who Caitlyn Jenner is. I, I, I think uh, so. Formerly, um, uh, previously, uh, Bruce Jenner was a famous Olympian from the seventies. Married into the Kardashian family. Um, Were they on that OJ? Was he on that OJ? Thing? Uh, he wasn't. I don't. I don't know whether he was because he uh, Robert Kardashian was OJ's one of OJ's defense lawyers. Sorry, she. Um, obviously, um, Kim Kardashian's mother. What's her name? Uh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, was then got remarried to uh, Bruce Jenner uh, as she was. Who then became? Who then uh, transitioned uh, about five years ago? Okay. Um, weirdly enough, there'd always been jokes about that. I'm not sure if it was like because, uh, like, I remember like a Family Guy episode from years ago mm. where they made a joke about that, and I'm not sure if if that was like known that mm. she wanted to transition. But mm. in any case, um, prominent, wealthy, and kind of the face of a lot of kind of the rise of knowledge and debate about trans issues and, and things like that. Not, uh, I can't even, sp- I can't even speak to what kind of role model Caitlyn Jenner is for like trans issues, but makes a really easy target for hacks. And that's the thing. It's, it's yeah. a nice, vis- a nice, easily visible, easy target for him. And the thing is, I'm, I'm pretty certain that there are jokes about trans people that aren't terrible. And mm. they're probably written by trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Um, and he does he does all that stuff. And, he's, and it's really boring and it's horrible. And then he goes on to his... He does a bit of atheism stuff. Oh, boy, yeah. Because he's, he's part of that clique, isn't he? He's very new atheist. Well, he's very... Illiterate atheist. He hasn't really read anything. He's what I imagine he's watched like a lot of like those kind of atheists. I imagine he's watched some Christopher Hitchens videos mm. and has got some really like strict views on stuff. He goes he goes in hard at one point on um also on the what's it the Chinese dog meat festival and gets mm-hmm. really angry about that because he's a vegetarian and I get annoyed with vegetarians um, <laughs> because I think they're half arsing it and they should just fucking be a vegan just just accept it just admit that you just like eating cheese a lot and you don't care about I mean I think they do Hugh what they do admit they like eating cheese by their act of eating cheese yeah but they can't act they can't act act all superior to you know corpse munchers like the rest of you um but yeah he he's um the problem is it's an it's like so long and it's so patently unfunny yeah. It's all out of date. It's all like, it seems like he's hoovered up. I've only seen him on Twitter, hmm. like, researching this this bit of the this episode. Yeah. And it's just a lot of, like, him pulling faces at his imaginary enemies. Oh, yeah. He, he straw mans constantly. It's really, um, really weird. It's very, um, it's very, th- it's very superior but thin-skinned. He, and it's what I kind of, yeah. Yeah, he on. brings up, in the stand-up, he brings up, someone having a go at him because of a joke he made about peanut allergies and he right. ma- and he says that he got someone on twitter had a go at him mm. because their child has a fatal peanut allergy yeah and then because this one person criticized him yeah he proceeds to spend like another 15 minutes devoted to them in his netflix special <laughs> where he goes on and on about how stupid they are and uh, culminates with him saying that he'd prefer to have hitler as a dinner guest than as someone with a food allergy Right, because he's so edgy. Exaggeration can work, but I just don't. But it's I again, don't it's know so that it. Old. It's such an yeah. old joke that you know. Oh, who would you rather? Hitler, like, hey, it's dead babies. That, it's that kind of thing. That's literally the whole thing. And it's like dead babies. The whole dead babies thing was not shocking. Like people told it the jokes a, about that in fucking sc- in when I was office. at school. It was a joke in the office. Yeah, about you know, there's certain things you can't make jokes about mm. the Holocaust. 
AIDS and it was uh, the disabled or it's, it's something like that and, and it's says, like one day I hope to write the um, Holocaust AIDS joke that will you know save the world yeah um, um, weird though that he hasn't done that isn't no. it yeah um, but funny he still, that he doesn't he still seem to have the capacity jokes. yeah <laughs> he still tries to make the jokes he still reaches maybe it's like a Fabian strategy mm. <laughs> you know slow slices of reform until eventually he gets the perfect combination there's this kind of thing that you get the impression like when he wrote The Office with um, Stephen Merchant that mm. He thought of himself as like, oh, I've forgotten his name, the young guy, Tim. Tim, yeah. But he is Brent. <laughs> he even, like, okay, I was very into The Office. I was just the right age when it came out. Um, you had kind of had a, you still had the kind of late 90s sitcoms mm. still going. So yes, like 2.4 children and stuff like that was generally oh, God, yeah. the standard for TV comedy. Mm. That no kind fun. of thing. Yeah. Um, you had a few holdovers, you know, um, keeping up appearances mm. and, and things like that, which, I, I mean, I love keeping up appearances, but it wasn't exactly revolutionary in its mm. format or any of the jokes being told. But then you had The Office, it came along and it was both funny and had a, a different kind of format and a different look to it mm. and had a kind of a, a truth to it. And that's, you know, because he had that irritable middle manager kind of persona that was very easy to put on and like I was like well into it watched all the kind of like behind the scenes thing and there's one point where he says um uh, oh I always get asked are you anything like David Brent and uh he says well I am because we have the same face and body and it's like given his, the rest of his history and the and the kind of way he does his stand up yeah. which is Early on, his stand-up was very much... When he was still... He's, you didn't really know much about him as a person. You kind of knew David Brent, and there was a lot of him in that, but you didn't know him as a person away from David Brent. Mm. He had that ability to shift between, this is Ricky Gervais, and then this is David Brent. Mm. In that way that a lot of comedians have a separate character that they can pour themselves into, mm. and they can use to draw a kind of line mm. between the things they say as David Brent, for instance, and the things he says as Ricky Gervais. Mm. Um, and he was actually quite good at that he mm. was quite good at skipping between the two things and making sure that the patently ludicrous things he said mm. was always in the david brent persona um he doesn't seem he's that's that persona seems to have just like taken him over because all of that stuff that high squeaky voice he does when he's mm. getting really um annoyed or like frankly offended mm. by what people are saying to him mm. um has almost entirely and from the sound of this sounds like it's entirely taken him over well, the thing is, I'd, I'd say that, it, it, that it, t it didn't take him over. It's that he was lying about not being that. Like how mm. quickly, like the this whole the whole stand up thing, mm. the whole thing is literally him complaining about people getting so offended. But the whole thing is him him being is, offended. Yeah, he gets so upset about being called unfunny. It's the easiest way to get blocked by him on Twitter yeah. is if you say he wasn't funny, mm. he will block you in a heartbeat. He blocks people all the time for Mr. Free Speech Guy. Mm. They, they always do it, the free speech guys on, on Twitter. They're always yes, blocking. Yeah. Um, blocking someone on Twitter, that isn't in, like, in, impinging on freedom of speech at all. Whereas, um, you know, the stuff in universities where a private organisation doesn't want to invite Jermaine Greer to come and shout at them. <laughs> That is a massive infringement of freedom of speech. I'm fucking sick of... I'm so fucking sick of even hearing the words freedom of speech. Mm. The amount to which what's supposedly the most... It's the most important feature of our society. It's the, most Im it's the most important thing ever. The amount of fucking time and money mm. that is wasted mm. on people not discussing what freedom of speech actually fucking means. Well, the is, and the dynamics of what it means in 2018. Yeah. There's a, an old thing of like, um, oh, I've got freedom of speech, I've got freedom of movement, that's what makes me different from like uh, dictatorships and things mm. like that. And it's like, have you ever tried to get on a bus without any money? Yeah. Like, and that's an important part of that. And there's so many of these older like hack comedians who are completely dry. I would say like Badil has kind of given... I, know, really I do not like him. him as like a comedian. I'm not aware of him at all. But he's, he occasionally... Um, gets kind of centrist dad about things, but occasionally has some self awareness and mm. I don't know. At least he's trying. He's he does some things about kind of the history of Judaism and mm. things like that, and he's tried to forge a different career outside of of, of comedy. Mm. But the extent to which all of these kind of people who've gotten to a certain age and can't get anything commissioned anymore. Mm. 
go and do a thing about freedom of speech when they have had no 20 years of yeah. the maximum amount of freedom of speech and still do yeah. they're still exercising it it's just it what? aggravates me I've never seen a yeah. good philosophical discussion on um, the nature of freedom of speech no. not ever I'm sure well, there is um, out there but like I, you do not see it in, the main, in mainstream discussions of this Gervais does a bit in and it has to be said again his Netflix special mm-hmm. about how in the last couple of years there's been an encroachment on freedom of speech and now it's turning a very dark corner. Yeah. He does this from his massive platform where he can say anything he fucking wants. Yeah, yeah but um, he's got this massive platform and it's those people who have a big platform and they rant and rave about how their platform is being taken away from them when it isn't. They, they're not getting commissioned because they're unfunny. And also people who, who, as far as I'm aware, have never tried to give anyone else... Well, no. There's no, there's no structure for an individual comedian. Mm. Uh, uh, like essentially, they're each business people mm. selling their comedy. Yeah. Get fucking into Marxist labour theory or anything. Mm. But they're all individual comics selling their labour for mm. um, money. Mm. So they are like mm. doing that. There's no notion of kind of giving other... like Especially with Gervais and things like that. He never... like promotes another another comedian or gives him a spot or anything like that. I imagine no. he gives him like support support. He did ads. in the last couple of days. Oh, who did he give? He spoke out in favour of Jonathan Pye. <laughs> oh fuck off. I want Where, to do Jonathan Pye. Um, fuck face was um was who is definitely a pro follower on Twitter. Mm. He's your um, UKIP Blackpool. It's very good. <laughs> very, very good. Very, very, very good. Um but anyway, he he said a couple of days ago that Ricky Gervais is in any day now will endorse Jonathan Pye. Mm-hmm. And then on the button, on, he's completely on the money. Ricky Gervais said, when I was, like, years ago, and it would have been on the 11 o'clock show, I think, um, and he did this kind of irate news reporter thing. He's like, I used to do that, but he's nowhere near as good as you are. I was nowhere near as good as you. You completely hit the button every time. Oh, it's just like, oh, you're such a scumbag. Jonathan Pye is such a shit fucking thing. Yeah. It's just pure distilled angry dad. It's angry dad from The Simpsons. A lot of people of that, uh, in that kind of milieu, seem to really idolise that bit in Network. Oh yeah, they do. Um, they think that it's the self-righteous rant that's going to like he's topple lost, everything. He has. He's having a breakdown at that point in Network as well. Uh, yeah, like, uh, virtually everything he says is correct, but he is he's broken by that mm. point in Network, and they're all like fantasising about being. It's the same that's as the like point the fantasizing of the film. about being thingy in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, it's that kind of. Thing. They're so obsessed with these weird little ideas. Whereas all I want to be is Mad Max. <laughs> but I can't drive. I'll just be one of the gay boy berserkers or the smegma crazies just hanging on the edge of a tube buggy. <laughs> but yeah, they've got ter- um, they've got these terrible heroes. Terrible you, well, bro- uh, like and their hero- their heroes are ones that lose as well. Yeah. yeah. Gervais is um an interesting one because, like, uh, follow again, following his career through. I mean, the last twenty years, I guess. Whereas the Lord Humongous I, didn't lose; he was betrayed from within. <laughs> Carry on. Always in our hearts, Lord <laughs> Humongous. Yes. Um, his um his career kind of did the office. Yeah. Huge, 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 huge success. Changed sitcom forever. Blah blah blah. Um, did a whole series, a couple of series, on going to meet his comedy heroes. Yeah. And like constructing his own kind of pantheon that he was a part of. So he went to see like Larry David and um, Gary Shandling and people like that and interviewed them and and talked about comedy like on a kind of almost equal platform, like a one-to-one, like I'm one of you. Hmm. It's a very weird kind of self-promotion. He's got a very very high opinion of himself. Um, And for a long time... It kind of seemed like Gervais was quite self-deprecating and honest. Mm. Like extras definitely felt like that. Well, that's first. what I liked about it. It seems like what everyone liked about. That's him. what I liked about it. He seemed to be in extras, especially. Which mm. I mean, I've seen a lot of people come back and say, "Oh, it was only all right." But I actually, I really liked uh, mm. extras. I thought it was very funny, like a good meta commentary on where he was, mm. where he had got to in like two thousand and six. Mm. Because I mean, he could fucking do no wrong. He was publishing books, those uh, yeah. Flanimals books. Oh, he was like commissioning things. He was doing stand up, which was very successful. He was he was everywhere. And then there was a point where he went to America, 
tried to do movies. The movies flopped, and then he disappeared. I honestly haven't since this until this new stand up. I hadn't heard anything that he had been doing like, since uh, he reinvigorated David Brent and did that on the road film, which was fucking tragic. I saw the, like tragic I'd only film. recently seen that photo shoot he did, the mm. um, the atheist one. The oh my god, oh my god. I mean, talk about like I definitely think there's a, a, a relationship with him to uh, discrete time periods over the last twenty mm. years. So if you think about it, he was successful up until two thousand six, two thousand seven. Mm. Did like the American Office, which was obviously also huge over there. Mm. And then he didn't do the American Office. Um, well, he was exec producer, or whatever. Didn't do anything yeah. on it. He was in it. He didn't do anything on he it. He was in it. He was in one episode. He was in two episodes. <laughs> Um, he, him and um, the yeah. merchant. But, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, of course they, they did because it was their yeah intellectual That's, property. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, where was I? Um, so he had he had all of those things up until like 2006, and had that kind of um, almost like he was trying to do the rock star thing. Ironically, mm. but all the rock star thing kind of like fell away because he was, he was still in that mode of like, I'm an atheist and a, and mm. I hate animal abuse. Are you offended? Mm. Brr, that kind of thing. And that doesn't suit. It doesn't suit the actual content that he's coming out with. Mm. And after 2007, 2008 financial crisis, mm. the landscape changes so that the kind of, radical kind of 90s big economy end of history kind of thing mm. that had fallen away mm. but he 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 acted and he still acts like it's still going on like the great like everything else is fine the economy mm. there's nothing else to be talked about all there is is a froth a cultural froth on the surface mm. where we battle for the most amount of freedom for the mm. most amount of like uh extreme edgy offensiveness yeah you know, like he he is the Joker. It's like he's so twisted. Look at him. He's so twisted and dark. He's gonna go there. And it's like by this point but where that is a complete is a Jim joke. Davidson joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Jim Davidson was from another period and could never adapt. Like yeah. you would think, weirdly enough, that Jim Davidson would have thrived in the nineties and the two thousands because that was well, no, he was like too, he, was too, he was too much because we had, it was it was a fi- it was a fiction. Well, should be Brown still going though, isn't he? Uh, he is, I think. Yeah, I don't know if he's dialed back his I act. I think he does like mainly like not to besmirch the good city of Blackpool, mm-hmm. but I saw he adverts Blackpool. for comics there that mm-hmm. were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty certain everyone who lives in Blackpool knows what Blackpool is. It's also notable that the kind of the rest of comedy hasn't kind of. I feel like the rest of stand up and and comedy general hasn't really moved on. Well, no, the problem with as well, they haven't the, managed to find a niche after the credit crunch. Comedy, you're probably going to say I'm wrong. No, but. actually, I think it's got it's got something to do with the credit crunch. But comedy hasn't really survived the boom in success it had. Sure, Once it became yeah. stadium things, yeah. then what you're looking for in a comic changes massively. Yeah, Because instead of looking for someone like... Um, oh my God, his name's gone completely out of my head. He's an American comic who disappeared for years and had a big resurgence recently because of a documentary about him being abused as a kid. Oh, you saw him at Edinburgh, didn't you? Yeah. Um, but well, actually, that's a good example. It's, um, it goes from being the... Instead of the comedian you're looking for being the kind of person that can sell out a... 50 seat place in a small comedy venue mm. you're looking for someone who has the potential to fill Wembley Stadium Yeah. instead of looking for um, someone like say, like I, I don't think I could listen to him now without cringing but instead of looking for someone like Bill Hicks you're looking for someone like yeah. um, Michael McIntyre and so it changes the very notion of what you're looking for and it changes the notion of who people are willing to invest in yes. which is why you've seen a massive difference in, and by invest, I don't mean like mon- like just money. I mean like um, agents picking them up and that mm. kind of shit. Um, they, their expectations are so much higher um, that that's why, in general, British comedy now is either if there's any working class ones, they're much older. Yes, definitely. And they usually they're usually not actually working class. They just have a regional accent. Yeah. Um, whereas, like proper working class ones, don't really they, you don't they don't get to be on all the chat shows. It's notable that the working that the the there's no again forgive me if i've like missed mm. someone out here mm. because I, I just can't focus mm. on stand up i just can't it's used to love it mm. but uh cannot cannot keep up with it and 
tolerate it at all um, anymore. Um, it's notable that the working class ones do have a very kind of out of date version of their working classness as well. The tropes that yeah, they use, the, the ones signifiers. Who are as working class comedians. I'm trying to think. It's like there's that. There's an. There's a Liverpudlian one which immediately comes to mind, and I cannot think of his fucking name. Well, that's the thing, because yeah, we don't. We he's a huge stadium yeah. comedian and has been for a few years. Um, I don't think he's got any like shit views or anything. I don't think he's a shit, mm, but I think it is indicative of. I mean, the, uh, the obvious one that comes to mind is Peter Kay. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. And, you know, Peter Kay did very well at kind of... There's a certain kind of comedy that um, is aggressive and and tries to splinter each other, splinter you down into individuals when you're doing mm. that. I'm thinking of, like, you know, like, Stuart Lee tries to do it. I don't think he always succeeds because everyone's in on the joke. Bernard Crimmings. Bernard Crimmings is the one you were thinking of, right? Um, but like a Jerry Sadowitz or something like yeah. that. He's, a, I mean, Jerry Sadowitz is one who's never come in for any criticism because he's not big enough. But he is the AIDS, Holocaust, yeah. um, offensive comedian for the ages. He's always been doing that. Yeah. Um, and his kind of very, like that aggressive, like Lenny Bruce kind mm. of thing um, is designed to split you off. And then there's the kind of like Peter Kay who gives you that kind of warm, nostalgic feeling. The idea is to bring the audience together and kind of make them feel the same thing. Yeah. Um, Barry Crimmins. That's Barry sorry. Crimmins, yeah. <laughs> sorry, it's really annoying me. Bobby Sands is the name. <laughs> the amazing Only one act. Don't know where he is. Don't know where he is yeah, now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> For the fact that stand-up comedy is one type of entertainment, it mm. is one type of performance, art, really, it's a single spoken word thing. And yet, there are venues in every town that yeah. cater to to stand up, right? Yeah. Um, they might be pubs, but you, how many pubs have open night like poetry readings? Um, like, I imagine it's yeah. less than would cater to stand ups. Yeah. And there's just like I can't think of as much like resources and effort going into any other art form other than like popular music mm. and um, like sport. Well, um, you know, as far as recreation stuff a goes, I'll be more so the um, Rose and Crown, mm. and they've got space upstairs, which um, it's big enough for them. They they have put on some plays, mm-hmm. but mainly it's stand up, mm. like quite constant. Also, stand up's cheaper to put on. Than That's the thing; it's so theater. easy, and it's like it's almost like you can cast your net over such a much wider area to get your big money success. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's actually a good example. Which would be a bit um, someone who is still going. Um, David Hoyle, Divine David. He's still performing in small places. I've not seen him. I don't know. Who Divine David. No. Drag queen. The anti drag queen. I don't know Divine David. No. Oh my god. Okay, I'll show you some afterwards. <laughs> um, because yeah, amazing. Um, <laughs> but it's your well-known weak weakness for drag queens. I love drag queens. Drag acts are amazing. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're, yeah, they're, I love drag acts. Mm. Um, I'm not going to pretend there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing mm. wrong with that at all. What's one of the most popular programmes on now? It's been RuPaul. Um, you know, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is pretty popular right now, isn't it? Although on a different note, I did see some stuff from Thai um, Drag Race, and it's significantly better. Yeah? It's so much harsher. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, there's this weird thing of, you're not looking for any artistic credibility or like critical acclaim at all anymore. It is just looking for the big stadium fillers, mm. which is why even though Ricky Gervais can constantly do shit stand up, mm. and he'll do, he might get another shit film. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll still be able to sell out big places. Yeah, and so he'll keep on getting this thing, and it's just, it just kind of pollutes the whole thing. And then yeah. you end up with um, some people. Then and we'll start talking about some of the other comedians. Yeah. Who'll like complain that they haven't got a spot because of political correctness or something like that. Hmm. Like I imagine David Quantic does bitch about that kind of shit. Um, but it's because he's shit. And he can't sell out a stadium. Yeah. He's not a draw. I don't think he's a stand up. No, but, he's not. No. But it is a different kind of thing. Yeah. But like I think there's something to be said for given stand up like comedy's prominence in in the arts. Yeah. It's kind of prominence but not not kind of not hegemony, that's not the word. It's prominence, but kind of it's not taken seriously. Do you mm. know what I mean? As a structured, written, artistic medium sometimes. Yeah. And yet, the level to which 
our society, British society now, has comedians in general as a kind of court philosopher. Yeah. Because you think about anything profound anyone has said. What's the most profound thing most people will send to you, like like say on Facebook or or say to you? Yeah, it will be reciting a comedy bit. Yeah. It'll be um like it'll be one of those John Oliver little bits or a yeah. bit from the Mash Report or mm. Jonathan Pye. Mm. Written by Spiked. Yeah, and they're in a weird they're in a weird kind of we'll go on about Jonathan Pye <laughs> in, in a in a bit. Um yeah, because like the and and moving on from Gervais mm. because he's obviously like a kind of old man alt righty kind of thing. He's going in that direction, except he's, he's nowhere near direction. as structured. He's supposedly left. He's supposedly very liberal, but, but he's very quickly. You're right, but that's because the voice of British comedy is liberalism in yeah. its hegemon- hegemonic yeah. form. Yeah, like. There was a good description I read the other day of like liberalism is um, is the establishment, but it's not in power. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's very little like we talked about it last week. There's probably very little appeal for social conservatism and, and like restriction. Yeah. Now that's partially due to kind of liberal freedoms, but it's also due to a consumerist society. Hmm. You're you live in a place where you're supposed to have the most choice. In order to have the most choice, you have the widest array. You're, you need the widest array of voices to sell you that choice. Hmm. Right. Um, so there's nothing, there's supposed to be no limit to you developing yourself and what voices you can hear and and things like that. So that's like one element of why there's such a, a kind of uh, onus on on freedom of speech because they, it's, it's kind of a, an idealistic spin off of a certain amount of material freedom that you have in the West. Yeah. Um, there's a weird kind of thing that's happened to a lot of those liberal comedians recently over the past few years where they've been very um, anti-Corbyn. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, they've... Just because their appearances on Mock of the Week would be taxed heavier. Well, they, they kind of present themselves as like they're the truth tellers. That's mm. the... They've, they've in many ways, over-intellectualised the, the kind of like purpose and mm. social role of comedy as, okay, we've got this circle and inside this circle I can say whatever I want to say. Yeah. Right, um, I am the truth teller. I am the one who. I am the court jester. I am the one who brings the truth mm. to the king. Except everybody appears to be the truth teller. Like politicians model themselves as that. Mm. Um, Farage fucking models himself as yeah. that. I am the. I am the only one who can see through the illusions mm. and pierce it with a witty bon mot uh, yeah. or or a fish. Uh, yeah, <laughs> anything like that. Except their performance on Twitter outs them as really, really reactionary. Oh, God, they are. Uh, so they're the truth-tellers who are supposed to say this is the way things are. But if anyone comes to them and says these are the way things could be, mm. they're very, very scathing. And I kind of want to get into more of why yeah, that is. There's, um, I know they've got... Performers do have tend to be a thin-skinned lot. Yeah. So everyone, everyone, to a certain extent, is thin-skinned. There are certain no things that they are thin-skinned about. Um but they're particularly thin-skinned, especially these, especially the older male stand-up comic. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of, because their biggest heyday was under Blair. Mm. So, so the idea that um, that Blair was wholly bad. Well, they've taken on they've taken on Blair's um, kind of hidden outlook, like his occluded outlook, which was Catholicism. Well, no, no. His his big thing was we have everything we need to do to build the perfect yeah. society. It's just that people are too stupid mm. or too uneducated to do it. Mm. And if you think about it, that's like the majority of modern comedy. Mm. It's look at all these fucking stupid people. Look at what they could do if they weren't so fucking stupid yeah. and how smart I am for noticing it's, it. It's like if people want to see a more genuine reason for the Brexit vote, yes. it isn't the magic of Cambridge Analytica. It's a literal elite of smirking simpletons mm. on Mock the Week and all these things, calling them idiots. Mm. Week and in, week out, saying, oh, you're so stupid. You're all so stupid. It's like, of course they're going to be angry at you. Somewhere along the line as well, they haven't noticed that they're the ones who are the 
the book fetishists. They're like, oh, I love a good book. Oh, oh I love, I love books. Don't you just love books? I love knowledge. I love books. I love all these things. Yeah, but then you say name but a book. But then you say name say... a book, and they say 1984 by George Orwell. Yeah. They have an established canon. They don't just say that. Sometimes they say God delusion. <laughs> because they don't just read fiction. <laughs> well, they say sometimes um, they read the hard sciences. <laughs> But I mean, the extent to which they're forming as a kind of weird shard of a class yeah. is really interesting. They have We mentioned it in the Merry Beard um, mm. episode a few weeks ago. They have an established canon mm. that they point to. Mm. They have, um, yeah, God Delusion. They have anything by Dawkins. Um, Chris Hitchens, if they're willing to go really out there. Mm. Um, Orwell, um, uh, yeah, other things. <laughs> you think of other things. It's escaped my brain. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Various mass marketed paperbacks, whatever's in the Guardian that week, they'll yeah. tw- post on Twitter that's very interesting. Yeah. And like there's no there's no rigor as to what they consume. It's again, they've kind of become part of uh, that society that is is privileged by the kind of position of what they read rather than the content. Also, as far you know? as a group of people go hmm. who have some very staunch views on Marxism, because they do. Yeah. I'd be hard-pressed to point at more than one comedian who I'd say has probably at least tried to read any marks. Hmm. I think only one of them. I mean, there's not many jokes you can make about capital. Well, actually, there no, is. But no, 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 actually, no, there are probably they, plenty they have, of jokes you can make about They have all these opinions capital. on stuff that they don't actually... Yeah. They don't actually know, because they'll, they'll refer... Like, if you bring up Marxism, they'll, they'll bring up Orwell. Hmm. And it's like, no... I reckon that's probably a function of their generation. Um, while you can definitely say that they are forming a kind of weird philosopher-scholar class mm. in and of themselves, mm. um, they're also mostly Gen Xers. Yeah. Now, uh, I think we mentioned in the 90s episode that like a lot of the Gen Xers were very kind of put off of kind of collective political action. Mm. They, because it lost. They were growing up in the in the consumer society, and they saw their individual choices and, and dropping out and whatever other like tags you want to attach to Gen X. Mm. They were very cynical and very like individualist about their mm. cynicism. So it's like I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do mm. my own thing, and so they've inherited that kind of natural distrust of anything where anybody takes anything seriously. Well, there's um, there's you know, it's like. And I'm not saying that, you you might say it's silly to like ask comedians to take things seriously, but I do, they take a lot of what they're talking about seriously. And they have to take their actual lives seriously. We're not on Twitter, they're not on Mm. as comedians, otherwise they'd be funnier. It's not a Um, structured artifice. Yeah. Um, But it's like, it's, you know, there's the fall of the wall, Mm. there's the minor strike, there's um, the massive, the labour loss against major mm. all these things you know they all lead to you know if you hope for something mm. you're going to lose and be heartbroken about it so yeah. stop hoping and that leads to that point. and you could say that there's a bitterness at seeing like like the euphoric oh like, absolutely the euphoric Corbyn is hopeful and like yeah. being angry because they don't have that in their withered hearts anymore yeah. um we'll be talking next week about the stuff with Corbynism. um yeah. Because, you know, that's come out in the last couple of days and yeah. we'll be having a serious fucking talk about that one. Yeah. Um, I've never been I've never I've never been simultaneously so happy but also so upset about my reasons for not joining the Labour Party being kind of right. Yeah. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, I think that there is a genu- a bitterness. There's a bitterness I mean, at people who are who are excited and happy and hopeful. Hmm. There's also a bitterness over the fact that in general, um, there are so many people on Twitter that run rings around them and are significantly funnier than them. Yeah. Graham Linehan's a good example of constantly having his trousers pulled down yeah. and everybody laughing at him falling over. Mm. And I'm not just referring to that picture of him having a shit <laughs> that occasionally makes the rounds on Twitter. Because that's very funny. There's a common kind of thread of um, them talking about, uh, oh, I don't, I don't believe in left versus right. I yeah, don't believe it. I don't off. think left and right are proper labels. And I don't have an ideology, mm. which in itself is an ideology. Yeah, it is. They've kind of, um, politics is just kind of a series of individual moral choices mm. and that's all that matters. And it's like, that is conservatism. That's the yeah. perfect kind of, 
there is no such thing as society Thatcherite kind of thing. There's yeah. only these atomized individuals yeah. that have to make decisions. And anything larger than that is not only something to be scoffed at, but actually something dangerous. The level to which they're not just... Richard Herring asked mm. this question the other day and got a lot of shit for it. And I think Richard Herring is generally a bit more good faith mm. than a lot of other comedians on Twitter. But this question and his responses to it were very thin-skinned very, and I felt very bad faith. He kind of... Uh, where was it? see if I can find the, uh, the tweet here. He said, I'd be deeply worried if I was part of any political movement that didn't even countenance dissent or humour or the possibility of fallibility of their leader. Seems to be Putin, Trump, Farage. Do Labour really want to add Corbyn to that list? Seems so. Yeah, that's just... An, it's just again, also, the greatest sin is that it's it's old. That's old. That's like you're, re, you're regurgitating something someone else has already said a thousand times. Do you think that... Corbyn supporters on Twitter haven't dealt with 50 Nick Cohen articles a week. Yeah. There's literally that. It's not that they're not scoffing at it because they do. If you follow mm. the, the hardcore Corbyn people, mm. they do fucking make jokes. They make jokes all the time. Yeah. But what has changed is that there's so many ostensibly, like not even like non-political people, mm. comedians, who are saying that they're actively dangerous. Mm. And that's a change in tone that I think has to be accounted for when you're talking about oh the hum- humorless Corbynistas. Yeah. It's not a it's a, a, a weird it's a weird stance to take and I think it come it does come from their 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 positioning as a like a, a whole, their material as a whole is very much an end of history kind of mm-hmm. era. Mm-hmm. Like Gervais's it's everything has been settled, and now all we can do is joke about the like joke about the past, mm. which is the Peter Kays, and then maybe like scrape off the um, cultural detritus around mm. all of our lives and examine that a bit more mm. and how stupid it is, and maybe laugh at the people who were left behind by the end of history. Mm. You know, look at that guy who fucking I don't know spent all his money on lot, like won the lottery and spent all his money on like cars to smash up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's. There's a thing. It's that's definitely been more of a thing in the last couple of years. That in general, the comedy that's punching down has lost its lust. If it ever I had, like, it's like the thing is. I, I don't think, think you can use a blanket, even, then, even a blanket it, term like punching down. I don't. I don't like it, but I think there's potentially like a funny thing to be there. But like, in considering how unequal the society is at the moment most punching down that's done is fucking terrible. Yeah. Well, actually, that's, that's the thing. It's like it's not that there's less of a desire for that kind of comedy. Mm. It's that they'll be on whatever programme doing their thing. Yeah. And they're so annoyed. And it's like the journalist thing on Twitter again. They hate it when someone just says, that wasn't very funny, or mm. you hurt my feelings. To be fair, like I can understand... Yeah, it's not just one person saying one thing. It's a lot of like difficult voices. And again, maybe we're just used to being able to take in a lot of information, mm. conflicting information, and being able to sort through it quickly hmm. because of being on the internet, hmm. like eternally online. It's because of my mentat drugs. Yeah. Um, but there's a kind of... It, it feeds into to so many other kind of currents that are going on, and they seem happy to not put the brakes on becoming a sad middle-aged comic. Mm. They can see it happening to themselves. They can see themselves becoming like centrist dads. And there's nothing wrong with being a dad, Mm. but a centrist dad has a very particular format. And rather than trying to explore and work out what's funny about it, which is frankly what everybody on fucking uh, like uh, academic Twitter did, Mm. tried to work out what the parameters of centrist dad were, Mm. which is fucking funny. Mm. It is a funny concept because you know what it is, Mm. but you couldn't point specifically to the average centrist dad. Now that's a trope that uh, is not explored by by those guys because they secretly think they are it. They think they're part of the joke and it makes them very angry. Yeah. And that's exactly the same as Putin killing killing journalists. (laughs) Yeah. And the weird thing is that they're also the ones who a common thing is like affecting incapability. Mm. It's an affect that they put on. It's like, oh, I went, oh, I went down to the park today and fucking fell over on the pushing my kid on the swings and I can't even, oh, my wife had to come in and say, oh, you're using that iPod wrong. Mm. And then I worked out it was a TV remote and I can't even yeah. open it. And there's a, a whole thing of like affected kind of incompetence mm. that is, again, gendered. 
like it's usually men yeah. who do it. Like, oh, I have to get my wife to do everything. I just can't do anything. Mm. And yet, when you point out... So it's, it's, it's useful to them because it's a shield. Because mm. why are you attacking little old me? I can't even do it with my fucking yeah. shoelaces. Yeah. But at the same time, um, when somebody points out their actual flaws mm. in, the, in like the, their real, real life public persona, mm. they're very, very offended. Mm. And it's a very strange... Strange kind of affectation. Mm. It's weird. It is a weird one. It's um, it's that weird. Like, if if I like, I know I, I sometimes I probably do quite a lot use words that are. There are some words that I've that I've used that are ableist or discriminatory. Um, none of it ever comes from a position of me trying to be mean. No. Like if I say something like if I say someone's mental, I'm not. I'm really not tried to besmirch the mentally yeah. ill. Um, but if someone... But you're conscious of the, no, the, thing is, the way that those words can change as well, yeah, which people message, are not. But if someone messages me and says, you shouldn't use that word, hmm. that's a bad word to use. Which, you which we have. Uh, yeah, <laughs> had I, those I have had that. Yeah. Um, I take it on board and think about it mm. and try and be better. Whereas there's this inability to take it as anything other than you're assaulting me as a person mm. from a lot of these comedians that I find very hard to deal with. Like, like all my life I've tried to be a better person. Like, yeah. don't, don't try to like toot my own horn. I yeah. want to be a nice guy. Mm. Um, and so if someone says, oh, don't say that, that's upsetting, then of course I'll try and be nice. Mm. Whereas I wouldn't do like an hour and a half stand-up set <laughs> yeah. about, oh, someone got annoyed because I said they were fat. So now here's my hour and a half stand-up about why she's fat. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's... It's re- it's a thing I can't get my head around it, other than they are thin-skinned old Tories. In the parlance of the day, there's a lot of not checking their own privilege. Yeah, yeah. They're, oh, no, they there's a knee-jerk they not do. checking their own they privilege. Um, and they'll cloak it and pretend that they are a bit, because they'll go like, oh, I know I live like, um, oh, I live in a fancy part of London now, and I've got, yeah. so I've got so much money. Yeah, but they so don't, uh, they don't do that. Yeah. They talk about their childhood. And yeah. It's like, what yeah. are you trying to do? Talk about someone who was raised in, I don't know, Broadmoor. <laughs> I don't know why that came, like immediately came to. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, I was raised in. To uh, be fair, I uh, would have I'm nothing a good, but sympathy for someone who'd been raised in Broadmoor. I'm a good Yorkshire lad. I've yeah. lived in London for the last twenty five years. Yeah, I live. You know? I live in a five bedroom house in Hampstead. Yeah, and I have done for a significant mm. period of my life, mm. to the extent that. Uh, it, it is my class now. Yeah. If I was ever working class, I'm not anymore. Yeah. You know? Um, there is, like, stand-up comedians do it a lot. Um, they're a good example of it because, you know, how they do... So a lot of them, it has changed massively, their circumstances. Yeah. Um, thinking that if you're born working class, mm. no matter how your material circumstances are, you are always that working class. Mm. Which... Isn't is a very common British thing. Yeah, very common in the British discourse. Yeah, um, but is also just like obviously not true. Mm. Alan Sugar's not working class. He's just not. No. If you're and called also, a lord, also that bad that bad faith thing is like, oh, what does even working class mean? Because I work for a living. Yeah, that's the but other. It's like, I'm gonna drown you. It's like, oh, what does he? What does a neoliberal even mean? Anyway, back to <laughs> shouting at people to give up their gods and gun and to pick up their books and their art. I love art so much. I love books. I love reading. I love reading about everything. Neoliberals are made up word. <laughs> I don't even know what people mean by neoliberal conspiracy. Now let's go over to the Adam Smith Institute to tell us more about this weird, <laughs> this weird trope of these complaining about this conspiracy. Do what you th- do you say, Mister Man <laughs> of the Henry Jackson Society? <laughs> I think maybe Twitter definitely puts them into... I think if it, if Twitter and social media were not a thing, they would not be in contact with such sketchy other influences. So Ricky Gervais would not be retweeting Prison Paul, for instance, <laughs> yes. and then immediately put you on a really well, weird I he, tangent. I don't think he retweeted Prison Paul. He replied to him. Oh, yeah, you're people, right. Yeah, yeah. And then when people <clears> got annoyed at him being, um, being nice to Prison Paul, he was like, oh, now I'm being told off for just being nice to someone who has, who has an opposing political view. It's like, he doesn't just have an opposing political view. Prison Paul is a Nazi. (laughs) He's like one of the worst kind of alt-right Nazis in that I'm pretty certain he can't spell socialist. And it's not to, you know, be mean about stupid people, but he is a particularly poorly read one. (laughs) 
oh, it's that voice. If I have to hear that voice again. Like, we almost went down to that protest um, that he was supposed to go to. That oh, free yeah, the free speech but thing on I, d- I, couldn't, I couldn't be asked. It was, was very too, cold. I was too tired. It was very cold. And I was pretty certain the prison pool wouldn't turn up. I'm pretty certain he didn't. Because, you know, I'm, maybe his mum didn't let him have one. <laughs> but, There's a kind of simultaneous, I have... I have the power, like with, back to comedians, with, I have the power, I have the ability through my comedy training Mm. to pierce through all of your bullshit, all of your illusions, and yet, actually, I have no power at all. Mm. Don't criticise me. I don't have any power. Also, there's a, I understand the design, you know, the the tearing down of sacred cows, Mm. um, tearing, you know, knocking people down a peg, Mm. that's a very important part of comedy in Mm. general. Um, but they don't try and tear down the people above them. They don't try, mm. like with the going in, going in on Corbyn. It's like this, like oh look at all these people. Like yeah, maybe I'll take him down a peg. And it's like, no, no, mm. the ones that take down a peg in this society, yeah, are you know the forces that mean that we are the way the the world is the way it is. It's take it's taking the piss out of things like capitalism and shit like that. Like the like. Corbyn is inherently a very funny figure. He's definitely a figure that can be made fun oh, of. Oh, definitely. God knows there have been. He's a he's a a, a lefty who has lived in um uh been like, been in the Labour Party for forty years, mm. and his two his two uh, he's a vegetarian, mm. stroke vegan, and his two main impulses in life are making jam, tended well three impulses, um his interests in life, um making jam. Uh, tending to his allotment and photographing manhole covers. Yeah, that's hilariously funny. It is, and he is almost the prime minister. In <laughs> fact, he is the prime minister. <laughs> well, um... He is going to um, shape the exit from the EU. <laughs> when they talk think about... about that for a second, the jam guy. <laughs> when they talk about no one, you can't make jokes about him and things there like are that. Loads of jokes yeah. made about him. Like the only reason me and you would talk about Jeremy Corbyn before he became leader of the Labour Party, yeah, and Prime Minister was specifically because he was the butt of our jokes of ineffectual left wingers in the Labour Party. Uh, that and the Cuba Solidarity Parties. Yeah, the Garden Party, the Cuba Solidarity Garden Party, which is a funny phrase it's to say. It is. It's, it's a really funny phrase to just pronounce. And it's you know conjuring up images, and you know to be fair, thinking about it now, it does seem a lot nastier. But you know, it conjures up images like. Bob Crow, Ken Livingston, Jeremy Corbyn talking about their solidarity with Cuba while drinking champagne in a garden yeah. in Islington. That's funny. But, you know, also there's people like Waylon Bennett there. Um, <laughs> um, it is hilariously funny because, like, the whole Hatgate thing was mm. hilariously funny. Mm. It really was. The response of, like, we didn't Photoshop it, we just kind of uh, changed the colour and changed the Use like the shading <laughs> and used Photoshop to change it. And it's oh. like, so you Photoshopped it then. That's no, funny. No, I think it's like, oh no, I think you'll find we didn't use Photoshop because the BBC can't afford Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... um, The Czech spy thing. Hilarious. Yeah, but it's... It's this... They... Like comedians in general have been doing this thing of the reason why I don't like this thing isn't because isn't because I it's don't funny, like it. it's because it's dangerous. Yeah. And it's not it's like I'm not getting the position the the jobs that I f- think I deserve. Mm. Not because I'm creatively bereft, mm. but because of infringements on freedom of speech. Yeah. And it's just tiring. Mm. Also, it doesn't help that all of them are like old men. Yeah, and and also it, it doesn't help that reality is taking white men. Reality is taking food out of their mouths. Yeah. Is there anything funnier than Donald Trump's Twitter account? It's a cliche and, yeah. and hackneyed yeah. now, but yeah. Trump's presidency it destroyed is, the notion of satire. Like if you if you wanted comedy on a daily basis and you follow Drill mm. and Donald Trump, mm. like what else do you need? There's mm. not there's nothing funnier. Well, there's also that thing of. Trump properly brings into like sharp focus. A lot of these mm. comedians um, do genuinely believe that satire is a force for good and changes the world. And yes, the fact I that Donald to. Trump can even become president and then stay as president, despite all their zingers and burns, mm. just proves how ineffectual they've always been. Yeah. So there's this simultaneous, at the same time that they're finding out that their powers are actually non-existent. Hmm. They're also finding out that there's people hoping and they have hope in their hearts in the way that they 
either lost or never did. They choose that there's a lot of kind of, as they get older, they tend to retreat into a certain kind of moralism that seems to pick weird, weird things as well. So they're very moral. They can be very moral about Trump when they're not making fun of him. Hmm. Uh, They're not, they don't tend to be, have kind of moral anger as the root of their comedy when it comes to like injustices Hmm. or actual moral failings in our society. They do have moral uh, rage when it comes to the EU, though, hmm. Hmm. which is a, a weird old old thing to kind of get really, really moral about. Not just you can be politically angry about it. I think that's yeah, like that's, that's completely justifiable. But to treat it as a moral, hmm. like a moral imperative, hmm. that the e the Britain's relationship with the EU must be preserved. It's not funny, hmm. and it's not true. No, there's nothing. It's a very, very weird weird kind of thing it's like a a totem towards a liberalism that doesn't want anything else to do Mm. it just wants to kind of maintain itself it wants to maintain itself and potentially purge any other anger Mm. that might be out there about actual problems yeah you know not that the brexit isn't a problem or an issue but the level to which people a lot of a certain strata of comics Mm. are going on about it is baffling it's yeah but yeah, so the, there's this obsession with freedom of speech, and it is such a nebulous term, and it's a thing that I've never, I've never really cared that much because policing of freedom of speech has always been a thing in this country. Yes, um, some of it completely justifiably, some of it less so. Like if I went down to the headquarters of Facebook, you know, handing out copies of the Unabomber Manifesto, I'm pretty certain I'd be arrested. Hmm. Um, but then. There's the way that the free speech people, they're totems that they'll pick, yes. pick up. And Ricky Gervais, it's if you're mean to me, that's the, yeah. you know, that's you destroying my freedom of speech. And Jonathan Pye, the fake news reporter guy. Um, he had completely disappeared from my consciousness. I, I, yeah, I, I watched a couple of his Facebook things that were shared like a few years ago. And it was like, oh yeah, you're doing this thing. All right, fine, whatever. And then moved on. And then he came back and it was revealed that his writer was... Um, yeah, he's on, a, from he's Spiked a, Online. He's a guy who writes Spiked, yeah. Um, and I think he used to work there. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they... And Jonathan Pye has... He's taken up the Nazi pug thing. Yeah. And it's very interesting that the thing that this morally outraged guy is going to mm. be morally outraged about, that's his whole shtick. It's like five-minute videos of him being morally outraged about a disgusting thing in British society. Mm. And his one is about this Scottish Nazi being arrested and being found guilty of being mm. a dickhead. Um, he chooses that rather than the 15 people arrest- who are on trial in Stansted. Yeah. yeah. For standing in solidarity with um, asylum seekers who have yeah. been wrongly shipped away. Mm. Um, and that says it all. And it especially makes sense when you see it spiked online. Mm. Because what will Spike defend? Will Spike defend, will Spike defend the downtrodden? Yeah. Will Spike defend people who need defending? Or will Spike defend paedophiles and Nazis? <laughs> because that's all they do. Mm. Because they are a weird bunch of people at Spike. Yeah. Because um, they're the ones, was it um, Living Marxism? There used to be uh, Living Marxism, that was it. which they, was a uh, revolutionary then, communist party. And then they went out of business because they said that Srebrenica didn't happen? Uh, they published um, a critique of the ITN coverage of the Srebrenica massacre. Um, yeah. I, I got well into this. I really want to do like an episode on Living <laughs> Marxism because they were a fascination. I didn't realise mm. they were a fascination for so many other people. Mm. Um, but like old trots, and I was and the only reason I was interested in it is because I was assigned... Uh, a book at university by Frank Ferretti, who's mm. the like the intellectual godfather yeah. of uh, the living Marxism spiked mm. online lot of people. And the weird thing is that they've kind of splintered, gone libertarian, very, very corporate libertarian. Super libertarian. And have splintered into so many different think tanks, foundations, yeah. charities. Mm. And there's a, a certain number of names, I think it's like Claire Fox is one of them, who... They show up fucking everywhere. Hmm. They have been on BBC so many times and you would not in any way guess their affiliations or their um, their background. Hmm. Um, I, think one of, I think one of their things is they run the British Pregnancy Advisory Service. Yeah, that seems fine. Um, which is weird. And they hold like... In, it's a Institute of Ideas is another oh. one. And science... Science makes sense. Science 
Sense about science, that's the one. If anyone's listening um, and has ever found the name of a think tank that doesn't sound creepy as hell, please send it to me. Yeah, pro, pro, very, very libertarian free speech, um, pro corporate, um, night, nightmare science future kind of thing. So they defend like genetic altering and things like that. Yeah. Um, whereas, and it's that thing of it, they're, they're perfect, it's not surprising at all that there is a link between pie and spiked. Because mm. it's that free speech thing of they they are only interested in defending very certain things. Yeah. For all their thing about every every idea should be listened to, mm. they really don't like being listened. The idea being, you know, spiked as shit. Yeah. Jonathan Pye isn't funny, um, but they will really defend forever Nazis. <laughs> they're all um, they're all kind of Enlightenment guys, oh. and I don't people who become Enlightenment people. Mm. That probably has another fucking episode in, in itself. <laughs> um, they they get to a certain point and they've they've run out of ideas of a kind of liberal bent, hmm. and so they kind of look back and they find this perfect ideal of hmm. a body of ideas that embraces kind of like science and rationalism and thinking about things Sensible. and fetishizes smartness. Yeah. When they talk about science, they don't talk about the practice of science. They don't oh, talk no. about the reality of science. They talk about science as a shibboleth. Yeah. As a as a fetish, as a totem. Mm. Mm. And I've not I've not watched any Jonathan Pye stuff because he's very one note. Mm. He's pretends to be a news reporter and then he pretends to be a news reporter who loses his mind and says a lot of swear words mm. and somehow thinks this has some like cultural cachet. Mm. Uh, you know like everybody swears. Mm. Everybody swears all the time. In fact, I would like for myself to be able to swear less. Well, the thing is, John you know Pye's I mean? whole shtick is he's not your grandma's news reporter. There's yeah, there's no yeah. That's the, it, again. It's he the might, Gervais instead thing of taking again. out his earplug because he always takes out his little ear mic. Yeah, and then before that's he goes when front, that's when things are about to get real. Mm. He might as well take it off, put on his sunglasses, do his big rant, and then peel away on a motorbike. It's the it's the it's the fucking fiction that is so overly represented right now. Mm. And has something to do with the crisis of masculinity. It's like you cannot believe the sheer level of moral anger, anger that your average white privileged man has <laughs> and can bring to bear at any point. If only it's my super saiyan. <laughs> I'll get really mad if you keep if you hit me. I'll get really mad and then you'll win and then I'll win. But the just is, through my sheer force of personality. But the difference is, and like Jonathan Pye, James O'Brien, all of those kind of like um, what's his name um. The one who's on HBO now. Yeah, John Oliver. Yeah. Um, all these guys, they do this kind of watch me get morally outraged, watch mm. me go Super Saiyan. But the difference is, Goku makes a spirit bomb and he yes. blows the shit out of everything. They get morally outraged for three minutes and then continue with their lives exactly as before. John Oliver and can't vote even... vote Conservative John because Ol- they can't bear the notion of anything changing. John Oliver really fucking annoys me. I feel like... Not to like I, the Daily Show's no good. Uh, I don't think it was ever the complete product that even liberals were looking for. Yeah. But um, John Stewart um, did the kind of ranting thing, but again, his character meant that he was a person who was losing his mind. But he found a way to la- to make the landing. Mm. He would find a way to finish off something and get very quiet at the end and make a point. I feel that's better than what John Oliver does. John Oliver gets really, really angry and then wimps out. He makes a comparison. It's like, I'm so angry at this thing's Trump done. I, could, I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's like that time that I locked myself out of my car when I was in college. And then always, and he does a meaningless he thing. He cuts his like own legs out like, so much. We set up a website. Yeah. He does that kind of thing, which mm. is like, oh God. There's so many of these, like, morally outraged, you cannot believe the shit. And I think people get numb to it. Yeah. I think what I, what I want which maybe is just me. I want like a good explanatory power. Mm. I don't want you to get. I don't want you to get angry at things that are obviously bad. I want you to look for the things that are beneath the surface that are bad, and no one talks about them. They do the thing. You of, know what I mean? They do the thing of um, in V for Vendetta, the mm. voice of Britain. Mm-hmm. But they do it from a liberal perspective. Yeah, and it's. It's just a shit. But what is the what's the function of that? What what why do they do it? They well, do it because it's for uh, for people watching. 
it has a a a, 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 a soporific effect. Yeah, it's like letting off um, the pressure valve. It's let off the pressure valve, and then all your anger's gone, mm. and then you can't do anything about it. And you wonder why, like, there's a load of depression mm. <laughs> because these are the these are the court for better or worse. They are the philosophers of our age. They mm. are the ones that people go to and quote for meaning and for um, something like that. And they avoid their function by by the notion by the the fact of their class position mm. their class position is threatened by things being different they mm. can't point to something different mm. or like that's radically different enough mm. and it's it's a problem mm. i think it's a real big problem yeah that's a yeah. depressing end to our thing about comedians yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah um uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us on WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamot or you at Tanner Smashing. Yes, you pronounced my name wrong. Yes. Well All right, cheers. Bye. Bye. I love my country, I do. But all that war has made me blue. I like fighting, that's my name. But fighting am the least about the fighting game. When Mr. Hoover said to cut my...